Hello, everyone. Welcome to our online liturgy. It is great to be with you today as the people of God, as we seek him in his word and also in community, even as we do it in this unique online format. We are in the middle of a summer series entitled, When We Are Searching For, and this is week four. In our first three weeks, we address searching for God's presence, searching for relief from anxiety, and last week, when we are searching for happiness. If you missed any of these, I encourage you to go back and listen to them as you go through your summer. For today, we're going to explore the topic of when we are searching for relief from suffering. As in every other week, we are using a psalm to guide us into digging into this topic. And today, the psalm we are using is Psalm number 22. The psalmist will lead us in addressing the reality of suffering in our lives and also how to experience some relief in it. And so we are going to read verses 1 to 11 from Psalm 22. And friends, this is the word of God. This is what the psalmist says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, and I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust in you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Let us pray. And so, God, we pray as we read your word and as we break it open that you would give us the food you have from us, for us from your word today. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Let's start with a premise. A lot of our lives revolve around avoiding suffering. We do everything we can to avoid it. And then despite our best efforts, it happens. A terrible sickness, a financial setback, a family blow up, and then we are left in tears and tatters. We are suffering. And how do we deal with this? We might be experts at avoiding some suffering, but we are not experts Uh, at finding a healthy way to experience relief from our suffering. And so we can turn to poor ways of dealing with it. Substance abuse, taking out our painful feelings on others, stuffing them down and repressing them and saying just that phrase, I'm fine. The good news is that God does not leave us to flail about helplessly in these negative feelings, but wants to give us direction and help towards healing. Today, I'm going to present four guidelines we find in Psalm 22 that will help us when we are searching for relief from suffering. The first one is, ask God the why questions. Many of the Psalms focus on consolation and provision or the many blessings of following God in our lives, such as Psalm 103, which recounts all the benefits of following God. 
But this psalm we're looking at today focuses on the feelings of helplessness and shame in the face of suffering. There's no nice preamble and blessing of God at the start, just a cannonball into the grief and struggle of the writer. Perhaps as a result, the reading of this psalm is a little bracing. We're not used to this kind of challenging language. Yet there is something about this style of writing that seems very appropriate to the subject. Let's read verse 1 and 2 again. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. The psalmist here is in what we might call stage one of the sufferer's prayer. He asks, why? Why have I been abandoned? Why am I experiencing these circumstances? Why me? Why do you, God, seem so absent when the Bible says you're faithful and you're going to rescue me? There's no denial here by the psalmist, no minimizing of the pain, none of that famous British stiff upper lip. For some of us, this abrupt approach of the psalmist might come across to us as too negative. Maybe we learned growing up that it's no good to complain or question how things are going. Maybe we've heard the phrase or internalized it, suck it up, buttercup. I remember when my kids were teenagers, I asked on one Saturday for one of my kids to help me with some chores, and he'd been busy with work and school and serving at church and all those kinds of things. And he said, Dad, it's Saturday. This is my one day off. I got to admit that the suck it up buttercup phrase kind of ran through my mind at that moment. But the psalmist does not approach God believing that he, God, thinks or responds in a suck it up kind of way to him. The psalmist comes to God with an assumption that he can ask the why questions about his suffering and God is receptive and open to this. It is clear as we go along in this psalm that this is what the prayer expects all the way along, all the way through. Not a rebuff or reproof, but in his bones, he believes God is open to this. So today we might ask at the outset, do we really believe that God listens and is attentive to our lament and the attendant questions that come with it? And where have we heard these words of Psalm uh, 22.1 before? In the passion of Jesus as he hangs on the cross, in his suffering, we hear him utter this exact same strangled prayer to God the Father in heaven. It is a hard prayer to hear Jesus say to the Father, but in his humanity and physical suffering, Jesus is feeling abandoned. If we struggle with the psalmist's willingness to speak in such a bold way of complaint and lament to God, perhaps we can follow our Savior in this radical prayer of lamentation. Shakespeare said it this way, Give sorrow words, the grief that does not speak, knits up the o'er-wrought heart, and bids it to break. The second way we can find relief in our suffering is to tell God the details. And we see this in verse 6 to 8. And there we read, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me and they make mouths of me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. 
Maybe we feel painted into a corner by tough circumstances or, or maybe by our own fault or foolish decisions. Maybe the COVID isolation situation is getting to us and the limits are driving us nuts. Telling God the details of what is happening might seem mundane or boring, especially if we want him to just do something about it. Many of us pray in just this petitionary way. It's our primary way, asking God to act and do something to change the circumstances. The psalmist does this too, but in partnership with description. You can hear his description of the situation. People are mocking me for following you, God. They're saying it makes no difference. Let's wait and see how it turns out for him. This description continues in verse 17, where the psalmist states that his opponents stare and gloat over me. Almost sounds demonic, doesn't it? Someone gloating over you, mocking you, despising you when you are down and out. Our psalmist is experiencing an embarrassing and humiliating social situation, but he is not without resource because God is also there. We are encouraged here in the passage to tell God when our situation in our lives becomes emotionally toxic and painful. When we experience a passive-aggressive or abusive statement that cuts to the heart, tell God the details. This is what happened. This is what was said. The third way we can experience some relief from our suffering that we see in this psalm is use your words, this phrase. I've heard younger parents use this phrase with their kids when they want the child to express something or some emotion that they have clearly. They use this phrase to encourage their kids to clearly express what they want or to identify what is actually going on in their lives for them and how they are feeling. We are all learners in this kind of honest praying, aren't we? Learning to find the words that work for us in our suffering prayers to God is a journey and process. So as we come to the longest lament in this song, verse 1 and 2 are warm-up, 6 and 8 heat up, and in verse 12 to 18, the fire of suffering prayer is blazing. And what makes it blaze? We see metaphors, similes, adjectives, the psalmist is using his words. And this is what the text says from verse 12 to 18. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots." Biblical scholar Ellen Cherry points out that the heart of lament analogizes the vicious oppressors to wild beasts, bulls, stallions, wild dogs, and wild oxen. But we can just read those first few words of Ellen Cherry and draw something out of it. The heart of lament analogizes. 
I think that in suffering and struggle are easy prayers of praise and thanksgiving when things are going well, are chastened and challenged and reshaped. We are forced to work harder and dig deeper to find the phrases, the metaphors, the word pictures that we can use to describe to God how we feel. I feel like dot, dot, dot. I think this is why some people journal or write poetry or paint, because in artistic or narrative expression, we are seeking to make sense of our lives and offer that as a prayer to God. So we may need to use the actual words of the psalmist or other psalms, as someone like Augustine would argue, to shape our prayers. Or on the other hand, we can seek for our own metaphors to help say, this is what my suffering feels like. You could grab a piece of paper today and just write the line, this is what I feel like, dot, dot, dot. And it'll take some work. It'll be a challenge. It's not just an easy thing to do. But this brings relief to suffering. The situation may or may not shift, but at least we have found a way to say what we feel to God, to use our words. Finally, the psalmist punctuates all of these lament sections, these three little sections we've ex examined, uh, with, remember with remembering how God has acted in the past. And this is our fourth way, fourth and final, to relieve our suffering is remember how God has acted towards suffering situations in the past. And so we're going to back up to verse 3 uh, to 5. And this is what it says. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Though his existential experience was that of overwhelming feelings of abandonment and being ignored by God, the psalmist could also look back and see that God had faithfully delivered Israel in the past. He could remember the times his forefathers and foremothers cried out to God and God had saved them. God is, as he said, enthroned on the praises of Israel precisely because of his faithfulness and deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt in the Exodus. And so he could remember through that history God's eternal and unchanging character. And so what is God's character he can remember? I think we can put it into three words. Holy, faithful, deliverer. In Psalm 105 to 107, we see the same story of Israel being delivered from Egypt, told a number of different ways. And in Psalm 107 in particular, one verse is repeated four times. In verse 6, 13, 19, and 28, where it says, Speaking of Israel, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. Why say it four times? Well, I think it's to bring the truth home, to allow that truth to penetrate and shape our hearts over sometimes deeply personal feelings of being abandoned. And this is something I wrestle with. So I need to hear these words and phrases over and over in my life and my spiritual journey. Holy, faithful, deliverer. Holding on to who God is in the middle of suffering is hard. 
continuing to believe that he's truly with us in suffering just as much as in the good times is a hard work of discipleship. This is part of that narrow road of discipleship that Jesus tells us about in Matthew 7, 14, about the narrow gate and the narrow road. And what does he say about this? That only a few find it because it's so difficult. Thomas Kelly said it this way, God, out of the pattern of his own heart, has planted the cross along the road of holy obedience. For the psalmist, remembering God's faithfulness goes not only back to how God rescued and saved Israel in the past, but also to his tender beginnings uh, in his own life. And we see that in verse 9 to 11, where it says, Yet you are the one who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. All of this, all of these phrases and words the psalmist has been meditating on and giving to God leads to the last four verses. And in these verses, we see two verses of petition and two of worship. And these ver verses might come across to us as a little strange because despite profound suffering, the psalmist ends this section in exuberant praise for God's presence in his life throughout his suffering. And this is what the verses say. They say, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us in our online liturgy today and leave uh, with this benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go in the peace of Christ.